0: Kia ora koutou kou, Victoria McLennan tako Welcome to Bridging the Gap, a podcast that celebrates diversity here in Aotearoa, New Zealand's digital technology industry. I'm the CEO of IT Professionals, te hangarau Nayo. From developers to programmers, product managers to designers, this field is filled with a wide range of individuals who bring unique perspectives and skills to their mahi. Join us as we delve into the stories and experiences of those who strive to bridge the gap and foster a more inclusive and thriving digital technology community here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Today I am joined by the fabulous Julie who works in a part of digital technology space that I really don't understand so I love talking to her. Welcome Julie, thanks for joining me. Hi, no worries. So that we can get everyone else up to speed on what it is that you do, um, do you want to give our listeners your elevator pitch or barbecue pitch or whatever you like to call it on just who you are and what you do? Um, um, sure.
1: Okay, so I currently work as the contracts and portfolio manager for Wellington Univentures. It's probably easiest to explain that role by explaining Wellington Univentures. We are um, uh, what they call a technology transfer company within Victoria University of Wellington. Um, So what that means is that academics at the university um, do research and sometimes that research throws up things that they think could be used in industry um, by businesses or um, just by the general public and they come to us to try and help them get it out. So um, I call it sometimes the development part of research and development. Um, And so what that involves for us is talking to industry about whether they want to license that new um, idea, whether it needs more development, and then talking to development partners about getting funding for that and doing the work on that, Um, working out whether it needs to go to a New Zealand company or an international company or whether um, it's the kind of platform technology that we want to start a startup company that's been out out of, Um, and then all the associated activities with that. So that's, you know, getting funding, Um, raising capital, getting uh, patent protection sometimes, sorting out contracts um, and, yeah, starting spin outs and and getting plans, things like that. Um, And what I do on that is I'm the portfolio manager, so I look after our spin out companies and um, our shareholdings, but I'm also the contracts manager, so I work with any relationships that we have to do in terms of that, um, in terms of working with other universities or other research organisations or funders or um, investors or um, just supply agreements to get things done.
0: And before you landed here, um, yeah. I remember I first met you when you were focused, I was in the software service startup space and you were much more focused in the IP protection and how to educate new companies around even... Acknowledging that they have IP to protect, eh? That was kind of where you came yeah. from in this journey.
1: Yeah, so I did electronics at, at university. So that was physics wow. and computer science. <laughs> um, and then I came out of that and thought, I don't want to do physics or computer science anymore. So I was <laughs> applying for all the jobs. Um, and I ended up as a graduate role as a patent attorney. Um, and paid attorneys generally have science backgrounds because they need to be able to understand people's emotions and describe them, but also are good writers and communicators. And then you do kind of an apprenticeship. So I do three years under a working patent attorney and also pass some exams. The law has changed a little bit from like when I did it. So these days, there's more courses that you can get at universities in New Zealand and Australia, but you still generally work while you're doing that. Um, and so, yeah, I trained... After my science degree as a patent attorney in electronics and software. Um, And then, you know, I did an OE and I came back and I worked at what's now MB in the intellectual property office, um, checking people's patents to see whether they'd fulfilled the legal requirements. And then I worked um, at what is now Wellington Univentures as the IP manager. Mm -hmm. Um, And after leaving there, I started my own business, kind of contracting, talking to basically everyone in town, whether it was software startups or, um, little businesses or medium businesses that were working on science and tech, or I worked at Zero for a bit about their IP strategy. So that covers not only patents, but copyright, um, trademarks, designs, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and even into, you know, trade secrets. So yeah, it was, um, then I met you at one of the kind of accelerator yeah. but for mentoring things, but we were both mentored.
0: Yeah, that was cool. And um, are there, you know, from that commercial IP patent sort of space, are there many women who work in that space? Um, yes and no.
1: <laughs> i say, I mean, the, uh, we have a, now an in-house um, group that we do for our um, professional development because we have CPD requirements. Um, and our in house group is 90% women. But I think you wow. get that in a lot of legal these days is that there's a fracturing, um, you know, technology assisted the century where um, there is big legal firms, but then people also, once they're a bit more experienced, either create their own small person firms or they go in house. And so in house is actually quite attractive for women because it generally lets you get deeper into it but also have um less available hours kind of long hours that legal firms needed and, and um you know so there's more flexibility about lifestyle um, yeah I, and it's hard to say with patents i think that there's definitely some firms that are still a lot of men um especially when you're talking about um science
0: phds and things
1: and i guess but in general in legal i think you know it's about 50 50 in the graduate ah. for general legal
0: which is really interesting because in STEM generally, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, there's still predominantly more men, right? And in, in STEM careers engineering, yeah. architects, all of those kind of careers. So it's really cool that in the legal side that there are, you know, that it is more attractive for women. I'm really
1: impressed. Yeah, I think I think in the legal firms it'd probably still definitely, you know, not be quite 50-50 in terms of patents specifically, but in terms of other legal. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, now I ask that, I mean, at Wellington UniVentures, you have two female paid attorneys in Auckland, they have about a legal, couple of legal people and things like that. And, um, um the head of IP at Zero is woman, um, and same the head of icons. so cool.
0: Very cool. Thank you for sharing that insight. So what was the moment or the situation that made you think, yes, this is what I want to be doing?
1: Uh, Oh, you know, I always question that. Uh, I think for me coming out of university, I knew I didn't want to work in a lab. I knew that um, I didn't necessarily want to be a programmer, but I did Want to continue learning. So, when I got into that legal firm where I had to do the apprenticeship, I felt like I was still learning things. Um, and when I came back from overseas, I knew that I didn't want to work in the legal firm so much in the available hours, but I did want to take that knowledge I have and make life easier for people that were doing interesting things. Um, and so, then when I started working at Wellington Uni Ventures and then when I started working with people at Creative HQ, it was a lot about sort of filling that gap that they didn't necessarily know how to do that, that I could really help them with.
0: Um, Nice, and that kind of people connection side is, I know, something that you've always been quite attracted to as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, I think sometimes people can get so caught up caught up in their speciality that they don't realise what else is out there. And so I think that kind of translation role is always quite useful, being able to speak to. You know, when I was at zero talking about how when I created open source policy, you know, making it in the way that they wanted. Yes, we want to be good community members, but we need to watch out for these rules that there are. Um, Yes, we want to, you know, and the same with startups. Yes, um, you don't want to patent your whole software because actually that's going to cost you $100,000 and you need to probably in the really small startup space, spend more money on getting customers. Um, So, but don't freak out. There is a way to answer the question when you're talking to investors about what IP you have and let's work through it together and say what your plan is so that you can articulate it and the reasons why. Um, So it's kind of helping people understand the reasons why things exist rather than just saying, you know, you can't do this or you can't do that. So I'm
0: going to ask you a question about... um... If anyone's listening to this who is thinking about changing careers and you've, you know, as you've described, you've kind of nuanced and pivoted quite a few times, including a big change from what you originally studied, what advice would you give them if they're thinking about changing careers?
1: Um, I think that in everything that you do, you do gain skills. For example, I noticed when I first got into understanding contracts that a lot of it's actually quite like the things that I learned in computer science. When it's getting too complicated, then you want to define a clause and refer back to it later on, which is just, you know, like object-oriented programming. So cutting it down in small chunks. So everything that you do, you learn something new that can be applied to other places. So for example, when I was at uni, one thing I learned is that I didn't necessarily want to make a career in in a number of areas, but I was really good at um, writing and communicating and talking to people and um, understanding everyone's needs. And so when it came to group projects and stuff, I was really useful to people, even if I didn't want to spend hours programming, Mm -hmm. because I knew all the people in our class that we should get together in a group and I could do the organization and the strategy stuff. Um, So I think it's about working out what you are good at and how that could apply in other places and then yeah, just using your connections to talk to people to know what
0: else is out there and giving it a try. If you're an IT professional or aspiring to be one, we encourage you to check us out. As New Zealand's only digital technology industry body who is focused exclusively on the people who work in this industry, we provide a range of resources, events and networking opportunities to help you grow your career and stay up to date with the latest trends and technologies visit our website at itp.nz or flick us an email info at itp.nz right i'm going to ask you a gnarly question now if you could invent something to solve a wicked problem what wicked problem would you want to solve You don't need to tell me what the invention would be. Just what wicked (laughs) problem do you think you'd want to solve?
1: Uh, I don't
0: know. I think the
1: hardest problems, like when I've been working in startups and things and everyone's trying to solve, you know, the problem that appears to them, I think the hardest problems that we have, especially in New Zealand, are the ones that aren't necessarily a business. You know, it's fixing health care systems and fixing education and things where people don't want to spend money um but they're socialized good you know so it's for everyone so I think that's the hard thing to I think those are the hard problems that it's you know how do you fix them how do you get consensus to move forward or even make small changes in the things where there is no obvious you know capitalism gain the the education the healthcare, the social welfare
0: (laughs) and you haven't mentioned the one I thought you might mention that I know you're passionate about and that is improving transport um (laughs) and is there any have you um I know that you're really interested in how we improve our transport routes and how we have less cars on the road and things is there any technology or changes or things that are emerging in that space that have caught your eye lately that you think oh that's going to be for us in Aotearoa New Zealand in the future?
1: I mean I think that's again one of those things I looked more into you know when I I did a master's in um, law at the University of Melbourne uh, I finished in 2020 but it was five years before that and so one of those ones that I did was science and society and I actually looked at you know like autonomous cars and whether that would be able to serve the future and then what the Ethical implications would be, and what we need to know as a society, and that kind of autonomous lawmaking and where it could go. And what I found out is that one of the biggest challenges that we have on our roads is not necessarily, you know, solved by technology having autonomous cars. It could be sort of, in that, you know, maybe if there's autonomous cars, we need less cars. But actually, the biggest problem that we have is when we deregulated in the late 80s, then cars became cheap, and, you know, when Hmm. our parents were kids or when I was a kid there was just less cars (laughs) and so everything was more efficient and now instead of having one car per household or slightly less everyone has two or three and so then it's you know where do we store that we store it on the roads which makes all the roads feel narrower and then um you know all the cars have got bigger which also makes the roads feel narrower and then when we want to you know put in a, a, a tram or a light rail or a bike everyone gets freaked out because the roads feel so narrow and squished already but the fundamental issue is that there's actually too many parts. Um, and so, again, it's about, uh, it's all, again, that kind of change management. How do you show people what the real problem is? It's not that it's too narrow and that people want to ride bikes. It's that the cars have got slowly bigger and they've got more and more and more. And we need to start to undo that. Um, without people feeling that kind of loss aversion, which we do have, you know, don't take away my house. I'm just
0: going to stop for two seconds because my earbuds are doing what they were doing before. Hold on. Oh no.
1: You did kind of a little bit crack up before, so I don't know whether it's your Wi
0: Fi. Yeah. Okay. Can you hear me okay now? Yeah, I could hear you. Okay. And I just it just all went crackly. So I think that's going to be my earbuds. Sorry. It I might be your you.
1: earbuds and your computer, because I noticed that sometimes yeah. earbuds are worse with other computers than
0: the combination of things. Um that's okay. Dan, who's going to do the edit, will edit this He's <laughs> out. And I think there was a natural place where he can edit you stopping there as well. Right, will we carry on?
1: Yeah, I mean I guess my summary was. In in summary, there's no one tech solution. It's a lot of little changes that add up and have gone one way and might need to go the other way. Um, But it's also a change management project. You know, how do you move away from that loss aversion to celebrating the changes or um, convince people of the need to change? Because there's a huge marketing engine giving you bigger and bigger cars and more and more cars.
0: And they are getting bigger and bigger. It's crazy. Yeah. It blows me yeah. away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Although, as I think I've told you, there are a lot of Teslas around where I live. That also blows me away. So it's well, a bit smaller, engine.
1: but also still envy. So if you get hit by one, it's still an issue.
0: Mm. Right. I'm going to change tack now and ask you some quick fire questions. Okay. if you if you had to choose between having a robot assistant that ran around after you picking everything up or an AI assistant that takes all the pain out of your workload which one would you pick and why?
1: <laughs> Both of them sound like more effort <laughs> I have low trust in AI <laughs> I mean I think ideally you know I think that you I think for me, picking up stuff sounds great. (laughs) Less housework sounds great at all stages because then you've got more time for everything else.
0: Cool. Now, next question is, what is your best tech gadget? Best tech gadget?
1: I mean, I think I would say probably my earpods. Um. I bought these. I bought my AirPods Pro, the noise cancelling ones. Um, in a fit of panic at about four a.m. after just announced the first log, because I was like, oh. "How am I going to work at home with my partner and my three-year-old?" <laughs> I'm some noise cancelling. Wow! Um, and it's been great for the bus, for the plane, for meetings, um, for iPads, for cell phones, for podcasts.
0: And other than this little bit of trouble I've had on this podcast, I would say the same about mine. They're brilliant. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Maybe they, maybe they need, a re, need a reset. What's the worst tech thing you've invested in? Yeah. Oh, oh, What's been a lemon? Something you've bought and you didn't use as much as you thought or didn't live up to expectations? Gosh, that's a hard one. <laughs> Yes. You, you can pass if you can't think of anything. <laughs> I was
1: gonna say, I don't know. Um I try to use all my things lots. I've bought a slow cooker oh. that sits in my cupboard for a long time. <laughs> I think
0: that'll I got do all free off the internet. So I don't know about bought. That's a form of tech. We'll take that. <laughs> um what's a top tech te- tip that you give people or you'd like to offer people as advice?
1: Like for working or just things to
0: have or? Either for working or things to have, whichever way you want to interpret it.
1: I think, um, you know, we were talking about hard problems to solve. I think my top tip for people working in tech is that not everything is as easy as you think. There's a lot of psychology and <laughs> design change behind everything. Um, so, you know, people don't act as as you would hope them to do. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah everything's it's... about convincing people how to to change or do things in a certain way and the easiest the best way to make changes is to make things easier for people so follow the path they've already um you know walked along
0: that's great insight i really like that um and do you doom scroll or do you shut it all down <laughs> definitely doom scroll <laughs> <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> Yeah, I've been and that, terrible this week. Oh, on Twitter particularly, or any other platform? Um, I think it depends on the time of day.
1: I think I definitely was into Twitter more last year. It's kind of gone a bit down mm-hmm. the board in the last year. Um, I was just thinking when you talk about doom scrollers this this week, I have been sleeping poorly. I don't know if it's just the rain or or what, but I've been being very tired at about eight thirty, and then at nine thirty, I'm. okay I'm going to bed and then I'll just look at my phone on you know (laughs) Instagram recommends random videos of some Americans cooking something or dancing to something so yeah
0: um for me it's but we've got a long weekend travel yeah it's travel videos that I keep getting recommended because I'm about to go on holiday and so oh oh, nice nice. but it is very doom scrolly because you just keep watching (laughs) more and more and more well especially in Instagram
1: I guess it's the same in TikTok I've, I've Purposely yeah. not sign up at doc because I feel like that would be a suck. um It's just the you know there are a minute or thirty seconds, so then you can yeah. just go the next one. They go
0: the next one, and then twenty minutes later, it's like, oh my god, I wasn't going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, my last question: What makes you happy?
1: Ah, uh, my family.
0: <laughs> nice. I think we did
1: a lot of values at work this year, and um, one thing that everyone said I know is that I'm my family is my I have a large family um so my immediate family but also my extended family yeah I just went to my cousin's 40th in Auckland
0: last weekend for just the night so nice it's good to see people I love it and I love hearing that that's what makes you happy that's awesome and a great way to end this (laughs) thank you so much for your time that was really really insightful and I think people enjoyed listening to your story and I really appreciate it. So thanks, Julie. Ka kite. Always nice to talk to you. Ka kite. Kia pai, Taura. Thank you for listening. Join me at the next episode of Bridging the Gap.